Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. Hey, good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters on this St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all the folks out there. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Dennis. Or Dennis, I call, I'm looking. I'm looking well, at okay. Dennis, and I'm that's, I'm talking to you, Dennis. My Irish mother got the chance to name me. Do you have me. some Irish in you? I'm half Irish. You're half. See, I'm impressed with that. I always wanted to be some Irish, and I'm not. But my wife is a teeny bit, and so that means our kids are a teeny bit. So they're adding a little <laughs> spice to the to our lives. I'm Norwegian German. You are, I guess. Yeah. Do you speak either one of those languages? No, I don't. You don't. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we are doing a show, kind of a repeat show, of more than one occasion. Really good information. But before you introduce your guest, if I may, uh, give the uh, text number and the phone number for those that want to get involved in the show. Call us or text us with your questions, 651-989-9226, or send us a text at 81807. So, Denny, you and I were talking before the show about um, about our poison control shows. This is maybe, I don't know, the eighth or ninth year in a row we've done a poison control show because it's Poison Prevention Week. And so I have um, literally the upper Midwest experts on poison prevention, and we're going to talk about that topic today. I have three people um, who are no strangers to the uh, the WCCO studios. Um, uh, first of all, I have uh, Dr. John Cole. Um, and then uh, we also have uh, pharmacist Lori Wilhite, and then we have Lauren uh, Prinyat, who is the public education or public educator for the Minnesota Poison Control System. I'm going to let each of them tell a little bit more about what they do. But first of all, thanks for all three of you for being back, Dr. Cole. Why don't you start us off? Um, I've known John for some years. He is the medical director of the Minnesota Poison Control Center. Tell us if you could, um, and then we'll get to our other guests, a little bit about why we're here. A little bit about the poison uh, prevention system. Uh, sure. So um, thanks for having us. Um, it's always a uh, it's always a treat to be here, and, and uh, we always feel really lucky to get to promote the Poison Center and Poison Prevention Week. Um, the Poison Center is a really really unique, uh, really really unique place, and and uh, we take uh, about sixty thousand calls a year. And they come from all walks of life. So our calls are everything from uh, concerned parents who uh, have young ones uh, as, they, uh, as they might be sort of built for mischief and exploring the world and maybe eating some things that they shouldn't necessarily be doing, uh, all the way to uh, health professionals uh, themselves uh, calling us because of a complex poisoning or overdose issue 
that we help walk them through. And there's uh, all kinds of folks who um, answer the phone and take calls at the Poison Center. And we have um, everything from uh, poison information providers who help with our more um, household products, kind of everyday calls, to uh, certified specialists in poison information, which are predominantly pharmacists, uh, like my friend Lori here. Uh, who answer the bulk of the calls. And then we have some physician medical directors who uh, weigh in on uh, some of the more uh, odd or complex kind of cases. So you and I are the two doctors in the room. What the heck do you do there? Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I could look at one of my physician colleagues. I could say that. I'm like, what do no, you do? Are yeah. you an emergency doctor? No, I, because I, I'm looking at the other people in the room, and they're doing all the education. They're answering the phone calls. What do you do? It's are you true. the coffee drinker? Uh, yes, right. No, I'm the expert. Yeah, coffee drinker and shoulder stand rover. <laughs> I'm over. totally yeah. kidding. Dr. Cole's an expert in toxicology. I'm just ribbing him a little bit It's here. funny you do that or that you said that because um, in uh, one of our first accreditation meetings, I had a, a very stern colleague from New York uh, sort of look at me in a less than friendly way uh, in the middle of our accreditation meeting, which is, you know, a big deal, right? It keeps us, uh, keeps us certified, keeps our federal funding intact. And she sort of looked at me across the table and literally looked at, said the exact same thing. What is it that you do? I <laughs> <laughs> love that when people say that. Yeah, yeah. So you are an emergency physician. That's right. And a toxicologist. Yep. So I did, after medical school, uh, I did three years of residency in emergency medicine and decided that wasn't enough school. So I, I went for uh, the additional two-year fellowship in medical toxicology. And uh, so I work uh, about half time in the emergency department, seeing patients like any other emergency physician. And then the rest of my time is devoted to um, some work with our pharmacy department as well as the poison center. Fabulous. So the the poison center has been at uh, people are saying, "Well, why are you doing this?" Don't you, you know? Everybody knows I work for Hennepin. Um, what what? Uh, why is it at our place? So um, this could be anywhere. You serve the entire state of Minnesota. Yeah, that's true. We do, uh, and the Dakotas as well. Um, so poison centers in the U.S. have been in existence since 1953. The very first one uh, was actually in Chicago in Illinois. And uh, they, like a lot of things, they were really unstructured and and um, in their infancy, and so there used to be a lot more poison centers than there are now. Uh, we had a few in Minnesota. We're down for public poison uh, centers now. We're down to just one. But in 1972, um, the uh, Western Metro uh, Poison Center was uh, started by, like many things, uh, in our emergency department at Hennepin. Um, by uh, a physician named Dr. Ernie Reese in coordination with some other folks. And um, the person who uh, initially picked up the phone was uh, a woman named Alice. And uh, Alice um, had uh, some unique training. It wasn't necessarily in uh, toxicology. Go ask Alice. (laughs) Alice was ready and willing to learn and and, uh, would pick up the phone in the emergency department when she was on shift, and that was the beginning of our poison center. Really, it was it was seriously a woman named Alice yeah. in, the, in the emergency department. Yeah. Oh, I, this is our director's going to kill me, but I cannot remember Alice's last name now. <laughs> it's Lang. That's it. Is Lang okay? That's I was right. going to guess that, but I thought saying it wrong would be worse than <laughs> than than uh, not saying it. But okay. yeah, yeah. So I have this strong urge to break into a Jefferson Airplane song called "Go Ask Alice," but I don't think <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. To listeners, we're talking about the 
about the uh, it's Poison Control Week, so we're talking with experts from the Minnesota Poison Control System. That was Dr. John Cole. Um, uh, we also have in studio Lori Wilhite. Now, I've known Lori for years as well. She's been on the show a number of times, and Lori, you're a pharmacist. That's right. And you work in a couple of areas, but today we're going to talk about um, about the Poison Center. Tell me about the role of you and your colleagues um, at the Poison Center, if you would, please. Yeah. Um, I'll second uh, Dr. Cole and say thanks for having us today. It's always a lot of fun. Um, so after the radio show today, I'm headed over to the mothership to work a nine to five shift. Oh, I love it that you call it that too. Yeah, I call it that often yes. on this air. I call it I call HCMC Hennepin Healthcare the yes, mothership. It is the mothership. Um, yeah, I'll work a nine to five shift. I'll probably take uh, easily thirty or forty calls. Um, Mostly from healthcare professionals, um, but also from uh, members of the public. And um, as Dr. Cole mentioned, the majority of calls that the pharmacists take are um, from healthcare facilities. Uh, uh, yesterday, I took a call from a paramedic um, on the scene with a child who appeared altered and confused. And uh, most of the calls that that I take are of that nature: prescription drugs, um, substance, uh, drugs of abuse. Um, and some of the more serious exposures this time of year, we're um, getting a lot of calls about antifreeze and windshield wiper fluid, carbon monoxide poisoning. None of that sounds good. Right. Exactly. I mean, not if you're ingesting it. Right. Exactly. We exactly. can talk about a lot of that stuff. Now, some of the, some of you, correct me if I'm wrong, have been working there a long time. That's right. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to our night pharmacist, Rusty, who's retiring after a 35-year career at poison control. Um, I hope he's listening right now. He's finishing up a shift right now. Um, he's been with us since 1984, and he's taken over 126,000 calls. Holy cow. Yes. That's yes. a that's a life well lived and a career well done. Rusty, thank you. If yes. you are listening, and if you're not, there's a whole bunch of other people are listening. Um, Rusty has been 126,000 calls? Yes. That guy's been on the phone a lot, answering a lot of questions from people all across the Upper Midwest. Um, what a what a great thing! Congratulations on your career, Rusty. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably right now on the phone with a, a with a you know a residence, you know somebody yes. with a question. But yes, um, that's every, really cool. Every um, uh, every emergency department doctor in Minnesota and the Dakotas that works overnight knows Rusty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh, that's awesome. So let's say we go to the Dakotas as well, all the way, like to Rapid City, South Dakota, or is yeah, it just like Fargo? You know? Yeah, no, we cover the the entire uh, states uh, of North and South Dakota, and we do cover all the way out to Rapid City, which actually changes things a little bit from a poisoning perspective because they have a unique rattlesnake problem out there that we don't have in Minnesota. Well, they have them there. Yeah, they do. In fact, there's uh, there are venomous rattlesnakes in uh Every state except for three. And don't we have like six snakes somewhere down in like the south southeastern corner? Yeah, the the only there's there's two that are allegedly in Minnesota, really the, the only there's only one that's really a problem. It's the timber rattlesnake, and it's really only down in the river valley, kind of from Hastings and south. So it's the burden of disease for rattlesnake uh, envenoming is not particularly high in Minnesota, right. but it is a lot worse in South Dakota. But if but if I called with a snake bite, would you guys be able to handle oh, it? Oh yeah, no mm-hmm. we, we we handle probably a dozen every year yeah. at least. Yeah, get out really? there. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. anything wow. from uh, rattlesnakes in South Dakota to exotic snakes that people keep as pets at home. 
Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. People yes. might have some colorful and dangerous <laughs> snake in a glass aquarium at exactly. their house or something. Yep. Exactly. We've had we've had some memorable ones related to that over the years. We have. All right, great. Now my third guest is Lauren Prignat. She is the public educator for the Minnesota Poison Control Center. Lauren, thank you back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's my fourth year this year. Have you really been here four years? So <laughs> I um, I do want to say last year I was on the banks of the Platte River watching the Sandhill Cranes during our Poison Show, so I missed the three of you being here. It was great. Thank you for doing the show without me. I'm back this year. So this is your fourth year on the show. Tell me about what you, what's your role, Lauren? I oversee our entire public education program. So I'm responsible for increasing outreach and awareness initiatives to increase poison prevention information and general awareness of the poison center's number and services. That's probably the most important thing of all, rather than you know, educating people about how to stay safe in the first place. So you, you um, told me before the show that, we have some, um, that, uh, that you have a new theme this year um, uh, uh, for Poison Control Week because it's every year. And, and I like what your theme is because we're going to focus on people at a lot of ages of life, not just little kids this year. Correct. Yeah, I came up with a theme, you're never too young or too old for poison prevention, because that's one of the most common things I hear when I'm doing outreach. People come up to me and say, oh, poison center, that's for toddlers, right, if they eat something that they're not supposed to. And while that's part of what we do, we do serve people of all other ages. And it's really important to know that it's possible to be unintentionally poisoned through just everyday activities. Yeah, so we're going to do that in the show today. Um, so for listeners, um, the show is going to include, we're going to start off in this first part of the show talking about various stages of life, about um, starting with little teeny kids because that's important and going up into sm- uh, small children and then teenagers. And then we're going to focus quite a bit on safety um, uh, for older adults and things that you maybe didn't think of. In the second half of the show, we'll, we'll uh, kind of segue into opioids a little bit. And, you know, many of you probably hadn't used the word opioid in a sentence very much five years ago. Now it's part of our daily life. So we're going to talk about that a little bit in the second half of the show. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls and questions very as good. well. As we head uh, to this break, let me give you the phone number and the text number. 651-989-9226. Text number is 81807. 24 is our current Twin City temperature reading, heading uh, later on this afternoon to a high near 36. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. And if you want to join in on the conversation, again, here's our phone number, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Here again is Dr. Hilden. Thank you, Denny. Um, We're talking about uh, Minnesota Poison Control System and Poison Prevention Week. Before we get into some specific things about our, we're going to talk about age-related issues that you should think about. We're going to start with childhood, and we're going to get to older adults. We're going to go kind of in order. There is a number. How do they call? Okay, I got a poison question. How do I call? What? Who do I call? How do I reach the poison center? I know this number is nationwide, and I'm always intrigued by that whole thing. So somebody here, tell me, what's the number? So the number is one 800 222 It's a palindrome, same forward, backward, right? one 800 And that number uh, works anywhere in the United States, but it's keyed off of your area code. And that harkens back to a time when everybody used to actually just use their landlines to make phone calls when people even had landlines. I have a landline, Dr. Cole. Do you? <laughs> Somebody, somehow the solicitors have to reach me. <laughs> um, but that it's all keyed off of that. Uh, and uh, 
so and that's partly how they divided it up among states. And so um, it's a little bit different now because people tend to keep their cell phone numbers when they move. And so uh, if that's the case um, and you don't have a 612-651, one of the usual Minnesota or North or South Dakota area codes, then when you call from your cell phone, you're going to land at whatever poison center uh, is uh, paired up with your home area code. So when I'm visiting Hoodlum in L.A., I, and I call the the number, my my kid, it'll come back to you here. Yeah, yeah correct. While it. you're in California, and f- for people who are snowbirds, um, this actually, we, we get this mm-hmm. call frequently mm-hmm. where um, they'll they'll be hiking and they'll, you know, uh, they'll say, well, I just, I think I got, uh, I may have been bitten by a, um, by a Western Diamondback. And, you know, the initial response is, well, it's winter and we don't have those in Minnesota. Right, here and I then, am in mm-hmm. Mesa, Arizona. Right, exactly. Right. And they're hiking on Camelback Mountain. So Right, right. And there's a lot of listeners to this show right now who are listening in Arizona and in mm-hmm. Florida. We get calls from the Fort Myers area. They're at spring training. Um, mm-hmm. um, so uh, that's – that, and that's okay, though. It, you know, they – you just call the same number. Yep. Right. Yeah. All right, and 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 you can all just alert whoever answers the phone on the other end, and they'll they'll route you if it needs to get rerouted to yeah. a different point. Somebody's so. asking more about that on the text line right now. What did you say about the area code? So what it does is it calls the poison center in the country that is keyed to your the area code of the phone you're calling from in the state, right? Yep. So you don't so, have to know the, the the area code to people who are calling. Yeah. So for instance, if I say I were to move to Arizona and live there permanently, uh, but I kept my cell phone number. And I ran across something and had a poison center call. I call from my cell phone. That's still a six one two number, and it would call back to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But there are poison control centers around the country, correct? Yep, and all fifty states have coverage. All right, so that's great. So let's t- um, let's talk a little bit about some specifics. Let's start. We're going to do a little life stages thing. Who wants to tackle? Um, the issue of young children, because I think when many of us think about poison control, we do think about young kids. I still remember my little, the hoodlum I just talked about in Los Angeles, when she was 18 months old, she was sitting in our living room with a bottle of open iron tablets, and she was so, and fortunately, she was fine. Uh, but that's what we think of, is kids mistaking um, pills. Um, so what are some of the issues that, that you, three of you, are seeing in the poison control system about young children and what ought people to know? What should parents know? Who wants to tackle that? Um, I will. I have a nine and a month year or a nine and a month, nine and a half month old. Yeah. Sorry, she kept me up last night. So I'm <laughs> Congratulations, by the way, you have a nine month old. Okay, yeah, so what so. do parents of little children like that need to know? Well, your example is a really good one. Medicines are common for young children to get into. Sometimes it'll be a parent taking a medicine, but then their phone rings or the doorbell rings, so they end up leaving it on a table to go off, and that's when their young child can get into it. Um, They're just so curious, and they explore the world by putting things in their mouth, tasting it. And to them, medicine can look a lot like candy. So we get a lot of calls about one- and two-year-olds that find something in someone's purse, or they'll go to visit grandparents and find a pill minder and get into that. I think that's a good point, Lauren, because a lot of the listeners of our show here are older adults, um, um, probably because all of the 30-year-old parents of nine months old are are exhausted at this moment. Yes. Yeah. But but it's not – so you might say, well, I don't have a toddler at my house, but you might have grandkids or something. You said that could be an issue. 
Definitely, and we've actually seen those calls increasing over time. A lot more grandparents are helping with babysitting or just people going for holidays. We have Easter coming up soon, so there will probably be a lot of visits to grandparents or grandparents coming over to houses with their suitcases and purses, handbags, that sort of thing. And kids are digging through them or they're finding And you said pill minders. That's interesting because I thought, well, aren't pills in in child-proof containers? But not always, are they? No, so that's another reason. Even if you have child-resistant lids, but if you're taking things out and putting them, also we have people putting them into Ziploc bags, which we really don't recommend because they have no idea what medicines are in there. Uh Uh-oh, I've done that. (laughs) I've done that to travel. You know, you put a bunch of ibuprofens in a little baggie or yeah. something. Well, ibuprofens are those little red things, aren't they? And so they're probably that's probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Everything I do, I'm doing wrong. Oh well, All right. <laughs> We're, we have a whole lot more to talk about now, and I'm getting the I'm getting the sign already that it's um we're coming up on our break, so we're going to come back to our show about um poison control. We have a number of text messages. We're going to get a lot more into adult um issues after after the break as well. I do want to uh, make a couple of uh, a little announcements. Um, first of all, uh, we had a great traumatic brain injury. Um, event at the Clinic and Specialty Center this past Wednesday at noon. Some of you um, um, showed up for that. I want to give a special shout-out to Andreen. Andreen, I don't know your last name, but you are a loyal Healthy Matters listener, and you were there at the Clinic and Specialty Center, and so it was great to meet you, Andreen. Thank you for coming to that. Um, I also want to let people know that we have clinics all over the place, not only in the downtown area. We have new expanded services at St. Anthony Village, for instance, chiropractic, rheumatology, primary specialty care all over the western, northern, southern metro area. If you need to get a hold of any of us at any of our clinic Mm -hmm. systems, it's at uh, hennepinhealthcare.org. Very good. As we head to the break, our phone number is 651-989-9226. Text number is 81807. Another half hour of the show to go. Stay with us. Radio.com. Radio.com. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospitals, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. Hey, good morning. Before we send it back to your host, Dr. David Hilden, let me give you our phone number and our text number if you'd like to join in on the show. 651-989-9226. Text, meanwhile, is 81807. And here again is Dr. Hilden. Thank you, Denny. We're going to get right back into the topic because uh, time is short and the topics are many. We're talking about poison prevention today with my three guests uh, from the Minnesota Poison Control System. I have Lauren Prinyat, Lori Wilhite, and Dr. John Cole. And um, I'm going to dispense with more introductions because, uh, sorry, uh, introductions came in the first half of the show. (laughs) We are talking about poison safety throughout stages of life. And we started out talking about uh, little children, um, infants, basically, and toddlers. Um, I want to read a couple of um, uh, text messages, and and it's about um, kids here. So the first one says... uh, um, first of all, I want to say this is a, a complimentary um, comment from a listener that says, we used the Poison Control Center twice 
when my granddaughter was a toddler. Once she had gotten a hold of one of my prescription meds, we Mm -hmm. talked about that, and once she had chewed up a cigarette, which thankfully had not yet been smoked. Each case we were helped immediately, and I want to thank the poison control people for their kindness. You get an instant response that saves a lot of worry as well as a trip to the ER. So using that, thank you um, for that text. I'm so glad you're, um, you were able to get some good help from the Poison Control Center, as do tens of thousands of people every year. So um, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, first of all, chewing on a cigarette, is that something that you guys see? Lori, do you want to tackle that? Yeah, we get a lot of calls about um, nicotine products, whether that's cigarettes or chewing tobacco, um, kids getting into nicotine replacement products that people are using to help quit smoking. And then, um, of course, vaping. Nicotine is a big thing right now. And so we get calls about that um, from little kids um, all the way up to teenagers, people asking about safety of those products and so forth. So, yeah, um, for the most part, um, kids get into taste amounts of tobacco and vomit um, and don't feel well for a little while. But if they get into um, like the liquid that goes into those um, vaping devices, that can be very toxic. There's high concentrations of nicotine in those. Um, and then, yeah, we have certain criteria, such as more than three cigarette butts or an entire cigarette, that that could be a really toxic amount of nicotine. And wow. um, a child like that needs evaluation in the emergency department. There's a shocking, there's a shockingly high uh, amount of nicotine that is def- definitively toxic and, and even deadly in, in just a packet of cigarettes. It's just most of it goes into the air when it's smoked. Oh. But if you eat it, it's that's, that's a, that's a life-threatening event. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you're a toddler eating right. it, exactly. it probably takes even even less, I would imagine. So the other thing I want to um, uh, unpack, if you will, from that, that last texter is they said uh, they made a comment is about it, it saves you a lot of worry as well as a trip to the emergency department. When you call the Poison Control Center, can one of you talk about what, how you can accomplish that? In other words, I have heard some of you say in past years that you're able to treat a lot of people and allow them to stay in their home and avoid a trip in. Can it's, somebody comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that we, there's a lot of good that we think we do at the Poison Center, but the thing that the science has proven time and time again is the, the thing that we are probably best at is – keeping people safely in their home whenever possible. So if you call us from your home with a poisoning question, over 90% of the time in Minnesota, it's about 92% of the time, we can safely keep you at home. So that prevents the generation of an emergency department visit. It prevents a doctor's visit, unnecessary testing. And, of course, I, we, we think at least provide some real-time reassurance that, okay, the back of the bottle might look scary, but – I'm going to be okay, and we can even do some basic follow-up things from from uh, from over the phone and uh, and help you get to the right place if if uh, if things are nece- uh, need to need to occur that way. I think that what you said is absolutely true. As as this um as this texter says, it saved a lot of worry as well as a trip to the emergency department. So um, somebody else is asking on the text line for us to repeat the poison number and do it very slowly. This oh. is a common problem for me. I say things too fast. <laughs> I know everybody. I'm working on it. I'm in therapy. The poison number is 1-800-222-1222. Did I get it right? You Correct. did get it right. Yep. It's a great number to program into your phone. Put it into your phone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your phone. Um, okay, can I do it fast once? 222-1222? 222-1222. <laughs> <laughs> 
800-222-1222, and that's a toll-free number, 800. That, um, that gets you to the point, doesn't matter where you are, anywhere in the United States. You call that same number, even if you're on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, okay, so we've done a little bit. We're just going to, we're kind of doing a, a whirlwind through the life stages. Now, I have two or th- I have three texters that I'm going to try to put into the teenager, young adult category. Mm-hmm. Somebody has asked, two texters are asking about alcohol. Can you cover alcohol poisoning? And what do you do when you suspect alcohol poisoning, one of them says? And then the other says teenagers sometimes experiment with drinking and get alcohol poisoning. And then the other, the third one says, is K2 safe? Mm-hmm. All right. Who wants to handle those? I can talk a little bit about alcohol. I've got two teenagers at home, so I'm on the Are opposite. they listening, Lori? <laughs> they get up about 11 o'clock, so. <laughs> oh, so they're early risers. <laughs> That's right. Actually, I was, while these two were up in the middle of the night with little ones, I was up at midnight wondering when my uh, when my <laughs> 17-year-old was coming home. So. <laughs> yeah, so teenagers can get into a lot of trouble with alcohol. Um, often they're relatively... Um, naive to alcohol. They don't have, a, you know, a big tolerance build up, hopefully, and they can get into trouble quickly if they're consuming large amounts of alcohol or even not so large amounts in a small, um, in a small time frame. So yeah, certainly a danger. Um, also on a Sunday morning, sometimes people might have had some friends over and some um, leftover cocktails sitting out. Um, that could be an issue in terms of, of little ones for certain. But um, opioids get a lot of uh, coverage and are a very serious problem, but we know that alcohol um, kills more people than opioids do. So, And probably a good thing to be thinking of this weekend when a few people might be partying a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, just mm-hmm. a little bit this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, okay, I asked, what is K2? And as we were saying off the air, a texter came in earlier in the show, is K2 safe? And all I can remember is that K2 was a brand of downhill skis that I had, and that's not what this person's talking about. No, so K, the short answer is K2 is not safe, uh, and it, it, it never has been and probably never will be. So K2 is sort of a generic way uh, to refer to anything that is uh, part of a group of chemicals that we call synthetic cannabinoids. So, Say what? Yeah, exactly. So uh, marijuana the, uh, or cannabis, the, um, the uh, plant that is in the news constantly these days, um, there are probably 70 to 80 active ingredients in the cannabis plant, and they all bind a type of receptor in your brain called a cannabinoid receptor. Uh, in uh, the University of South Carolina, actually, is it Clemson, not the University of South Carolina, Clemson, and then another university in Israel, uh, some chemists about 20, 30 years ago started developing versions of these cannabinoids to study to treat things like nausea and vomiting in chemotherapy. And none of these research chemicals ever became pharmaceuticals, but people figured out that if you administered them to human beings, you'd get intoxicated. The idea, I think, for some of them was that it would substitute for marijuana, and for a while it was sold as a quote-unquote legal substitute. But the reality is the feelings that you get and the intoxication that you get are nothing like actual marijuana whatsoever, and the uh, effects from it are really dangerous. There's cardiovascular things. There have been strokes, kidney failure. Um, they're quite dangerous. So um, we don't want to promote any kind of illicit drug abuse, but um, it's definitely not a safer alternative to marijuana. I think we couldn't be more clear than that. Thank you for your texter. All right, let's go to the phones. I think Shirley is calling in from uh, Northfield. Shirley, you're on CCO. Hi. 
I want to say thank you for having the Poison Control Center because you saved my grandson's life. He was only two years old, and his mother discovered he'd eaten half a bottle of her Lamotil pills. And uh, we called, and they said, get him to the hospital. And the Poison Control Center had figured out what the, I think it was the antagonist that was needed, and they saved his life. Now he's a high school teacher for 15 years. So thank you for that. Shirley, thank you so much for your call. And and I'm so glad that that was a happy ending, and I'm so appreciative that you called. I bet you get calls like that sometimes, don't you? You Where people say, you know, you saved my kid's life Mm -hmm. or you saved me. That's uh, what a service you provide. Yeah, that puts a huge smile on my face and makes it it all worthwhile. Thanks so much for calling in, Shirley. That's, um, That's wonderful. We're going to take a break, a short break, and then we're going to come back and talk about older adults, which I promised to do, and we're already running out of time. We're going to talk a little bit about opioids as well. Um, uh, Listeners, I do want to encourage you to go to the blog site, healthymatters.org. There's been a lot of talk lately about who should take an aspirin. What about apple cider vinegar? It's all there, healthymatters.org. Very good. We'll take this break. Be back with more Healthy Matters here. 24 degrees in the Twin Cities. And welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. We're talking, among other things, about poison prevention. And uh, with uh, Dr. Hilden and his guests, where do we go from here? Thank you, Danny. Let's talk about older adults and what are some of the issues that you're seeing at the Poison Center with older adults. I assume it's got a lot to do with we take lots of medications and drug interactions and pain medications. What are some, Maybe that's not what you see, but what are the things that you're seeing? A very common call that I get first thing in the morning is um, an elderly person might call and say, oh, I woke up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning and took my morning meds and fell back asleep and woke back up at 7 and took them again, forgetting that I had taken them once already. Um, And that's a great example of, you know, an individual that um, most of the time we can um, monitor at home. I might call back in an hour or two to see how that individual is feeling depending upon the medication they took. But Say it's an 80-year-old person who's on like a high-dose pain medication and they accidentally take a double dose, that could actually be um, a medical emergency and that person might require transportation into a healthcare facility. So you talked about pain medications. That is what, um, for, uh, for listeners who hear the word opioid, maybe more than you ever cared to, mm-hmm. um, opioids are, are, are pain medications in, in general. That's the main reason they are used. And a lot of us are prescribed those, maybe too many. Um, but uh, doubling up on them, is that a dangerous situation? Definitely, yeah. Um, especially some of these long-acting, high-potency uh, medications, you know, OxyContin is one that's out in the news a lot, but there are others, long-acting morphine. Um, yeah, and so it's a great idea for elderly folks that, um, you know, over time we all, as we age, become more sensitive to the effects of medication. And if you're on pain medicine, um, you're older, maybe have decreased kidney function, it's a great idea to um, go to your pharmacy and ask for naloxone. Um, it's just kind of like a fire extinguisher. It's a medication to have on hand just in case you would make a mistake with your opioid pain medication. Um, train your, fa- your friends and family members how to use it. And any pharmacist in Minnesota um, can give that to you without a prescription. They'll run it through your insurance, and you'd pay whatever copay you would typically pay. I can't tell you how important that is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have opioid prescriptions at home, and I bet not very many do have a naloxone at home. 
or Narcan is. Yeah, it? it's something that um, it's, you know, probably, um, you know, it took us 20 years to get into this opioid crisis. It'll probably take us 20 years or more to get out. Um, but we know that availability of naloxone in the community is going to be an important part of saving lives in the short term. Um, so those of us working in the pain world and pharmacy and um, and toxicology and poison control are really trying to get that message out that the more Narcan is out in the community, the better. So, um, Dr. Cole, how do people, what is the problem with opioids? What happens? Um, and isn't most of the danger from an accidental? I mean, you know, people say, well, I'm not going to overdose. I'm not doing that. But isn't, isn't there an accidental risk of too many opioids? Yeah, clearly. Um, it's, it's really easy to make a mistake with opioids. Um, another common thing that people don't always take into account is opioids act uh, synergistically with anything else that might make you drowsy. So the most common version of that is with alcohol, right? So if you have a cocktail at the end of the night and take your opioids, sometimes that's enough to cause a real problem. But the the, the fundamental number one way that opioids kill people is they stop you from breathing. That is, they're all a little bit different, and yet they're all basically the same in that they, they stop you from, from breathing. They, they shut the part of your brain off that tells you to keep taking breaths every, every few seconds. And uh, so that's the final common pathway for any of them. And the, the nice thing about the naloxone is it goes right into your brain and blocks that opioid and and helps you to start breathing again on your own. So it's called naloxone, and you said you can get it at a pharmacy without a prescription. Yeah, you can. Uh, it, it, all you have to do is ask for it. They'll run it through your insurance, and then they'll, depending on your insurance and availability, there's various versions you can get. You can get one that sprays up your nose. You can get uh, a kit that uh, they'll help you put together where you uh, someone would have to draw up the medicine and then give it as an intramuscular shot. Uh, and then there's a very fancy, expensive auto injector that will talk to you and walk you through it, oh, but it's it's quite pricey. Yeah, um, I have heard uh, not not just for the average person taking um, uh, opiates for pain, but for people who have a, a, a drug dependence problem and are and are um, injecting opioids or abusing opioids, mm-hmm. is it's a good idea if you have a loved one in your life, even if they're struggling with their substance use, to get them and get them on the lock zone. Yeah, if you. Uh, I think it's fair to say, and you know, Lori knows a lot about this, so I, I would defer to her on a lot of this. But if you if you know anybody with the opioid substance use disorder, having naloxone around is a really smart idea. Yeah. It's, and though the naloxone itself, right, is completely safe for anyone who doesn't have a substance use disorder, right? It's, it's absolutely. If you um, say that you have a friend or loved one that's just intoxicated from alcohol, and you can't wake them up, and you give them Narcan, not knowing maybe what they took. It won't work. It won't wake them up, but it won't hurt them either. So, yeah. That's yeah. a really good tip. Mm-hmm. That's a really good tip there. Somebody on the phone lines or on the text line is saying, we talked earlier about alcohol poisoning. They say, they say, what does that look like? What is the science? How do you know when someone is in a dangerous situation from alcohol? I, You know, it's interesting. That's a good question, and it comes up a lot, especially in sort of the lay media, right. that, that people have, quote, unquote, alcohol poisoning. And anything that makes you sick related to alcohol is alcohol poisoning. So if you drink too much and you start throwing up because of that, that's alcohol poisoning. It's just not necessarily life-threatening alcohol poisoning, assuming that you don't aspirate all that vomit into your lungs. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's, – the the life-threatening version of it is you drink so much that you just stop breathing on your own. 
kind of similar to uh, an opioid overdose. A similar thing. We've got a lot of really good information out here. I think maybe the if we don't if we could get one thing across to our listeners today is the phone number. I think if we could get one thing across, I want you to remember this number. So go get a pen. Put it in your smartphone. I think, okay, I said it last time. Who wants to give the number this time? I'll give it. 1-800-222-1222. That is the number for the um, Minnesota Poison Control System. That's actually the number for the entire country's poison control system. No, it doesn't matter where you are in the United States. You give yourself, you give that number a call if you have a problem. We even talked about you know, on Camelback Mountain in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are. If you're listening today from Camelback Mountain in Phoenix, you put that number into your, smart, into your smartphone. It's 1-800-222-1222, and you'll get one of the experts at the Poison Control Center. I want to thank my three guests today. We have Lauren Prignat, we have Lori Wilhite, and we have Dr. John Cole from the Minnesota Poison Control Center wrapping up another great show chock full of information about poison prevention. Thank you to each one of you. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you. Can we give that number one more time? What do you say? 1-800-222-1222. And um, for those of you who are at home today, you got a computer sitting in front of you, I got a place for you to go. Go to myhealthymatters.org. It's the name of this radio show. Just put the two letters MY in front of it. Myhealthymatters.org. I um I've slowed down the amount of stuff I'm writing on there mostly due to time constraints, but there are hundreds of things for you to look at there. Um just browse through it, search for aspirin and see if you should be taking an aspirin. Um I think that's what I suggest you do. Myhealthymatters.org. Real fast, next week's show will be It's Colon Cancer Month, so we're going to talk about colonoscopies. Isn't that a great topic for us Sunday That'll morning. That'll be next Sunday morning. Thank you all. Uh, stay tuned next for your money here on CCO. Fog and mist currently reported our temperature reading in the Twin Cities, 24 degrees. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.